1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary.
0: VGW Group. where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good afternoon. My name is Tanya Pinkins, and you are listening to You Can't Say That, the show where you can. About two years ago in March a colleague of mine in the theater invited me to her estate and she wanted me to try a plant medicine. She felt that in order to embody the the play that she was doing, I needed to have an altered experience. Now, my dad always called me an L7, which stands for square. Um, I never drank, I never smoked, I didn't do any drugs. I realized very early in my life that I had a very addictive personality. I did everything to extremes. So for her to ask this of me was a lot. Um, I always feared that if I ever did any kind of drugs, I would lose my mind and I wouldn't know that I'd lost my mind and I'd never come back, which was my experience the first time I ever did pot. I thought I'll never know what reality is again. And so for me to risk going and doing a a plant medicine with her, I thought, okay, I really trust and respect this person because I may die or I may uh, lose my mind and that will be the end of me. But I tried it and it was a profound experience and over the next two years I have journeyed, which is what it's called when you engage in plant, animal and fungi medicine and I began doing a lot of research about it. And so today, it is such a privilege. I'm meeting for the first time someone who I admire in the entheogen world, uh, Kalindi E. who is the only person I was able to find in my research who was um, talking about the origins of entheogens, particularly psilocybin mushrooms, and their origins on the African continent. Um, Kalindi is the founder of the Temerian Martial Art Institute in Detroit, Michigan, and he is a world-renowned journeyer um, doing doses of psilocybin that are at very, very high levels that most of us would never uh, even try. So welcome Kalindi, thank you for coming.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure, and I'm a, a big fan of yours. Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, being a, a TV celebrity oh. and uh, a Broadway Tony-winning actress and things like that, it's a pleasure and an honor to be on your show.
0: Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I... I, I um you know, one of the things I'm a reader, that's what I love. And so mm-hmm. in in trying to find out about entheogens because I once I had this singular experience, I was like, "Oh, my God, this was so profound. I learned so much. I want to know more." And the only things I could find out were mostly written by white men, um like McKennas particularly. Yeah. And it was mostly talking about South America. And yes. there was very it was very hard for me to find people of color, um nice. even though there are plenty, but it was very hard to dig and find it. And you were one of the first, people like and how did you get involved in entheogens
1: well i actually got involved in entheogens through martial arts okay um what i found out in my study of uh, african martial arts in particular and worldwide martial arts in general is that 90 percent of the traditional martial arts have entheogens or what they call psychedelics or hallucinogens actually hooked to them and when I was doing my training doses, which were part of my my actual martial arts training, I found out that one of the major constituents of the uh, brew that uh, I was getting was mushrooms. Mm -hmm. After I took mushrooms away from the context of martial arts, I said, this is the same feeling that I'm getting (laughs) when I'm taking mushrooms. Um, A friend of mine back in the early 70s uh, went to Oaxaca uh, in, in Mexico and he brought back some food of the gods mushrooms uh, and he shared them with me and I said this is the same feeling that I'm getting when I'm taking this brew this training brew <clears throat> and so making the associations being able to say okay well this is it I'm I'm going to explore this in its singularity um so I started to first of all, learn how to grow them myself because once my friends stopped going to Mexico or sending them from South America, I said, well, I'm gonna have to my, my person my contact was gone. So um, I set myself on the journey of mycology uh, in the library, and different people that I could talk to, you know, going to things like the Michigan, Um, Mushroom Society and things like that to learn how to grow mushrooms. You know, at that time, High Times was in its infancy and they had uh, very basic rudimentary (laughs) rudimentary, uh, mushroom grow kits in the back of High Times that usually didn't grow anything but mold. (laughs) So over time, I learned to grow. And in my study of mycology, I learned techniques to be able to do it. And um, it was a, a nice little learning curve, but later on, when the uh, at in the advent of the internet and things like that, different techniques were put out that made it a lot easier. But I did the hard work early, and then when the easier techniques came in during the period of uh, when the internet became available, you know, I just switched over to the easy easier way of doing it. <laughs>
0: Now, for me, having experienced mushrooms, I can't imagine doing anything physical on it. You're saying that you were having a brew that gave you this otherworldly thing, and you could actually do well, martial
1: arts? Well, see, the the thing is, is that um, mushrooms are very dose-specific. Um, you have uh, hunting doses, which are doses that are... Uh, well, actually, starting out, you have microdosing, which is sub psychedelic doses of, uh, of mushrooms. Then you have what's called hunting and training doses, which are very low doses that you're not fully in the entheogenic realms, but you are kind of just feeling it and things like that. So you can still function, you can still move. It actually increases your dexterity and things like that at, at low doses. Then you have doses that are basically from the the olden days, 100,000 years ago, 150,000 years ago, when people would sit around the fire, and before the big hunt, they would take doses that were communal. Uh, Actually, psilocybin, which is a constituent inside of uh, the mushrooms that I'm most most familiar with, um, it was called, before it was called psilocybin, it was called telepathy because it set up group telepathy, So you had doses that people would take and sit around the fire at night and have shared experiences and things like that. Then there are also doses that are um, what you'd call sexual doses, which um, at medium doses, uh, it brings about central nervous system arousal, which is uh, in the male, basically, not being able to go to sleep, antsy feeling erection and things like that. And then you have high doses, those are the doses where you can't function. You just need to lay down in the bed or on the floor or something like that and try to make it to the bathroom and, and things like that. Those are high doses. Those are the doses that bring about the mystery and the the monosome of being able to traverse these very exotic realms in the multiverse and things like that.
0: Now, if we talk about what's low and high, what's low and high for you is very different than what low and high would be for me. So... I think that you know most people I talk to when they're doing mushrooms, they do they buy an eighth and then they mm-hmm. share an eighth with four or five people, so they're not even getting a sixteenth, yeah. and they are like saying things happen to them. Um, the first time I ever tried mushrooms, I think I did more than an eighth, and nothing happened, mm-hmm. and I kept trying it, and the first time I ever experienced anything on mushrooms was about nine grams Mm -hmm. um eating them just raw just popping them popping them popping them popping them until then I got the chills and I got nausea and then um I guess you know after going through the chills and the nausea I knew that I was altered but the way in which I was altered felt like oh, this is what I feel like when I just feel good. Like the world is like mm-hmm. this for me on any day when I'm full of joy, this sort of sparkliness about the world. This is just – people have to take a drug to get to this. This is my my normal. And then as the hours progressed, um, I went through different experiences. I've never left the room that I'm in. I've never uh, – even at 9 grams, I – you know, I feel like for me, it's always been an inner journey. Like I'm looking at my self-loathing or I'm looking at my sense of what's evil in me. And then I'll look at my creativity or my joy. But I've never gone anywhere other than the room that I'm in mm-hmm. at nine grams. So when you're talking was, was about a high dry, dose. Was that dry? or just dry. dry. Dried, yeah. And then subsequently I've, I've worked with like three and a half grams where people put it in chocolate, and that seems to get me to the same place that nine dry got mm-hmm. me. I don't know why.
1: Well, um, everybody physiologically is different. You know, some people it takes more, you know. And uh, what I say is that you keep, inching your way up until you get access into these different type of realms. You know, you, um, so you had nine, next time you try 11, then 13, and you keep going until you hit it. And when you hit it, you'll know.
0: But what is it going to be? I'm a little scared to hit it. I'm a little scared to hit it. Like what's it going to be that I'm going to hit?
1: Well, uh, I mean, it's just that this reality dissolves. You know, the the room that you're in is no longer the room you're in. Um, you may be on a planet far, far away uh, in a galaxy far, far away. You may see exotic creatures. You may be um, communicating with novel entities. Uh, you know, it can be challenging psychologically for some people. Um, you know, so it's when you get your when you hit your level.
0: Which is personal to me. Which I have is to personal find to you. Uh, uh,
1: and and then you have to look at uh, where you get your mushrooms from because um, uh, how they're dried, how they're grown, when they're picked, what atmosphere they're in wh- as, as they're growing. All of these things are factors on how potent the mushrooms would be. And then the mushrooms agenda inside of it, you mm-hmm. know, because... Um, they're very picky, you know when people uh grow them and sell them only for profit, you know they're different than someone who's attentive. It's like you have a, a animal a cat or some or some type of animal, and you you have a person who just you know kind of ignores the animal and you have somebody who you know takes it for grooming and calls it and sleeps with it and, and you know um those type of things, and it's kind of like that that you a person who's attentive to these being something that will help you on your de- in your development or on your journey those are they're very different than people who are just you know they may be selling cannabis and they're selling mushrooms and they're selling combo and they're selling nine or 10 other different things and it's all just for profit it's different than somebody who's attentively looking and working with these mushrooms for a higher purpose.
0: So you speak of them as if they're sentient beings.
1: Well, yeah, sentient beings. They are the mycelium is the true mushroom. It is the the mycelium, the mat that the mushrooms grow from. The portion that we ingest usually is the sexual portion of the mushroom. The stem and the cap is the, the part of the mushroom that is now saying that we're gonna push these genes forward. We're gonna the spores out so they can sequester new nutrition so that the species can continue so the mycelium itself is very very similar to uh, brain tissue and neural uh, neural tissue and it's also very similar to when you look through the Hubble telescope and things like that and you look at these faraway galaxies it's the same type of configuration so nature is sequestering the same type of, uh, I guess you could say, algorithms that are in, in the soil are also in the stars. Mm. So this is a, you know, because uh, many people are postulating that fungi, um, and especially mushroom spores, which can live in the vacuum of space and are basically virtually immortal in space, um, uh, permeate the galaxy. And when they find a place that is wholesome for them to be able to uh, grow and flourish, uh, that's what they do. And that these spores of the psilocybin mushrooms came from um, meteor or uh, some type of impact, extraterrestrial event that brought these spores here. And they found a wholesome place to proliferate and grow. And then they found a creature who could decode and deconstruct the information that was contained in the mushrooms judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape
0: now judy's the life of the party
1: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
0: whoa take it easy judy
1: Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.
0: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, I've read some theories that some people say they think that the jump from, you know, apes to human is possibly connected to the mushrooms, that apes were just... Grabbing mushrooms in the savannah and eating them, and then that shifted their consciousness. You're laughing. Well, no, well,
1: well, they, they call that the stoned ape theory. Okay. And it's actually kind of panning out now because uh, chimpanzees are now entering the stone age that human beings were in, you know, 200,000 years ago and things like that. But the thing is that we had, had many different types of, of humans going on at that time, and some were ingesting. Mushrooms and some weren't those that did found out that it was an adaptive advantage to have the mushrooms in their system because Number one it it, it develops what's called visual acuity in other words it it makes the cuddles colors bright or brighter uh, Sharpens the edges so if you're in a hunting gathering situation where you can see better That's an adaptive advantage for you surviving and making it to where you can then have uh, have children who 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 push the genes forward, so you know if there's a flower someplace and it's uh, one of your favorite foods, and uh, you're looking for it. If you can see a uh, hundred yards without psilocybin, <clears throat> and that flower is hundred and fifty yards away, you won't see it. Mm-hmm. But if you eat the eat the psilocybin or eat the mushrooms, and that gives you the ability to be able to see two hundred yards then you can see your flower, then you can get food. And then, again, like I said earlier, it's actually a, um, it's a true aphrodisiac. So you're gonna have more um, copulations, you know, because, you know, that central nervous system arousal, which means you're gonna have more children, more children in a hostile environment if you have five children and, you know, two of them, you know, unfortunately you know get killed by a water buffalo or fall off the cliff or something like that tragedy you still have three children left but if you didn't have a psilocybin you only had two children and they both fall off the cliff then you know i guess you have to start over again but (laughs) but uh it's it's so it's a it's an adaptive advantage of that and then it gives you access to these other realms of knowledge and information because these are the things that they're doing in Silicon Valley now when they're microdosing LSD and mushrooms and other things to be able to think outside of the box, to be able to sequester new technologies uh, and things that are outside of the the norm, you know, things that, OK, let's let's think about something different. Let's try to work it some way that hasn't been thought of before. And um, uh psychedelics or entheogens can uh, bring about that type of, of uh, mindset to where you're having access to these things. Now, <clears throat> the, um, back in the uh, late part of the 19th century, early 20th century, there was a group of spiritual people called a Theosophical Society. And uh, one of the luminaries of that was a woman by the name of Helena Petrova Levatsky, or Madame Levatsky, they called her, and she talked about Tibet and India and bringing back sacred knowledge. And she, uh, they interjected into the public domain a concept of the akashic records that everything that exists is recorded in this memory bank this celestial memory bank where everything is every thought every word every deed every thing that goes on is is sequestered and put in that uh library and so uh, a uh, the akashic records and the akashic records or in other words the records of dmt of which psilocybin or the mushrooms are part of mushrooms are actually a ingestible form of dimethyltryptamine which is a Endogenous neurochemical that is produced in our body in the liver and the lungs and also the pineal gland and What what this does is it gives us access to those realms and so they talked about the Akashic records and then you have those records that are recorded in the DMT compendium of knowledge inspiration and uh, these what they call celestial libraries that is accessible by DMT. So that's a lot of what uh, is is, uh, talked about in the space.
0: Now, I read somewhere that they think that the reason we as homo sapiens walking around right now can't access uh, the DMT that is endogenous is because of electricity, that it really is more active in a body in a darkened uh, environment and that the advent of electricity and electric lights um, really... Uh, stopped us from being able to have this direct access um, and I even considered going on some retreats where they just put you in darkness for 21 days and then they say that after 21 days in darkness you go to the same places that you would go to.
1: Well, um, it's not the advent of electricity that stopped it because uh, even starlight or moonlight in darkness will um, slow down the production of uh, melatonin. It's actually con- the conversion of melatonin or melanin into DMT that comes about through the darkness. So darkness was always part of this sophistry, this school. Um, you ha- That's where pyramids, labyrinths, caves, uh, these type of things, like the Anatolian civilization in Turkey where you had uh, – a group of people who lived in caves for 4,000 years without break. Um, what happens is 7, 14, 21 days, you have some who stay in 40 days, some who stay in years in darkness, and what they're doing is actually sequestering um, DMT endogenously, and then the pineal gland also produces uh, pinealine, which is 1, 2, 3, 4, 6 uh, methyl. Tetrahydro beta carbolene, or something close to that, that uh, is also a darkness uh, chemical that gives you those experiences. But those priesthoods and those monasteries and things like that that were doing the darkness uh, technology were also doing. The mushrooms and acacia and those things also inside kind of like a booster rocket where you go so far that one falls off and then you go into the the next phase which takes you further so um darkness was always a part of that that's what the uh initiations in the pyramids were for and uh the labyrinth like the the labyrinth of the minotaur and things like that i was uh, recently in budapest and i was in a the labyrinth where they where they uh, caught Dracula and they put him and chained him down in this, in this in this maze, this labyrinth, and I went down there to see where Dracula was chained up. You know, I didn't have anything to do that day, so it sounded like a good thing to do. I was gonna go and take the Dracula tour, but it was kind of like an eight-hour eight-hour bus ride to Transylvania to see his castle and things like that. And I would have enjoyed doing a go-live from. Uh, the basement of Dracula's castle. Maybe the next time I'm in Budapest, that'll happen. But um, they have dark room retreats uh, in different parts of the world. I think Montauk Chia has one in um, Thailand where they have a facility that was created that has perfect darkness because you have to have complete perfect darkness. You can't have a pinprick of light. So even trying to do it, on a moonlit night or a starlit night will stop it. So it didn't really just stop when electricity came. That helps. You need <laughs> to be it. in a cave or But you need to be in a cave underground or in some place that doesn't have any light whatsoever. So electricity didn't really stop it. Um, makes it more difficult. But in a modern setting, we can create those type of things since we now know that darkness can precipitate these type of experiences also.
0: What in your experience, is to be gained from these experiences?
1: To know that there's something more. Um, The other things are tales that people tell us. Our mother told us that uh, Jesus rose from the dead, you know, after three days in darkness. Mm. Um, You know, they tell us that uh, Muhammad went to heaven and got the Quran, Um, they tell us so many things that we can't subjectively verify. But when you have an experience and you see um, somebody with the head of a bird in the body of a human or you see a person who has the head of an elephant and four arms, Ganesha, or Krishna, or one of these different exotic entities. That you know, where do we get this from? Do we just say, okay, let's let's uh, let's make a person with four arms? Is it any coincidence that in India there are more people born with four arms than any place else in the world, and that's their spiritual system? Mm. These are things that they encountered in their sojourns into the multiverse, Mm -hmm. you know. um, uh, These are the creatures that people saw and had relationships with, and as they saw and had relationships with them, they brought them into this realm. That's how ancient Kemet was created. Egypt was created by pre-Kemetic priesthoods sojourning into the hyperdimensional realms, and what they saw in light in the so-called heavens, they brought back to this time construct and reproduced what they saw in light in stone here. So that's where you get pyramids from and, and uh, obelisks and hippo temples and the things that they wrote or drew or carved on the walls from what they saw. And these are then technolo- technologies that help, Access these places again because the 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 Medu-Netra or hieroglyphs in Egypt are technologies because they're paired with the mushrooms, the psychedelics. They're paired with the uh, acacia nilotica, which is the acacia of the Nile, which is the DMT yeah, of the Nile. I wanted to ask you about that
0: because tell us about that and, experience. And, and also, and
1: also the 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 sacred lotus and things like this. They are utilized to. Have the communication with the different paintings and carvings that are on the wall. You know, at certain doses, you uh, stand before the wall and look at it and it becomes animate. And you have done this. Yeah, yeah. So, what dose? then 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 higher doses, they come off the wall into your room environment and you have a relationship with them. Then higher doses, still, you go into the wall and you're in their world. And this was, these are technologies that are, are eons old. You know, it's the same thing with the mandalas of uh, Tibet. You know, they make the sand paintings of the mandalas. Those are places. Those aren't just they're two-dimensional. Maps. Yeah, they're maps. They three-dimensionalize. And then you go into them to do the study with the sages of Buddhism by going into the actual mandala itself once it 3 dimensionalizes and you go into it. The magic carpet. The carpets are places. Even the um, Cenobite puzzle boxes from Hellraiser. Those are places.
0: And are they places that are like Hellraiser?
1: Yeah. You can, there are doses that you can take if you could, you could go, there there isn't a Toys R Us anymore. It used to be Toys R Us. I guess you have to order it off Amazon now. Uh, You could order a toy Cinebite puzzle box off of Amazon, take whatever your access dose is, and you can go into the puzzle box or Pinhead and then we'll come out of the puzzle box.
0: Oh no, we don't (laughs) want this. Now, how many years did it take you to find your access? Your first access, because clearly you've had many access points.
1: Well, I mean, I'm a, a, a explorer. I'm a person who likes to be able to access the things of legend. You know, um, really, what started me off was um, Ray Harryhausen, Hauser, and the um, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, where you know you had genies and cyclopses and. Uh, dragons and things like that so at a young age when I encountered this I, w- I was all in I wanted to see it That's why I'm still here now I traveled all the way to New York to the black comic book conference because I was an avid comic book reader um, a person of adventure so For me to take high doses I really when I started I didn't know what doses to take it wasn't something that was um, really inculcated into the black community. Um, we had, uh, of course, our psychedelics and psychedelic music and that's basically, you know, <laughs> the P-Funk and <laughs> right. Earth, Wind and & Fire and yes. that whole type of thing. Um, you know, and do you think
0: that they had gone to those places and that was the source of that music or that was just imagination?
1: No, I think George Clinton is probably still there. And <laughs> Sly, Sly and those folks, a lot of them are still okay. are still there. And yeah, that was inspiration for the music. Just like, uh, you know, uh, The Grateful Dead and, you know, The Doors and the rest of them, it was all part of the inspiration of the music. Mm-hmm. It was part of the, the culture. The, the 60s was... Ushered in through mushrooms. When Gordon Watson um, in 1957 wrote his article in Life magazine about the search for the sacred mushroom, it sent young white professionals down to Oaxaca, um, one of them being uh, Timothy Leary, of course. And, you know, the rest is history, you know, the summer of love and, you know, the changing of the, the guard and all these type of things. But it was Short-circuited by, of course, um, Ronald Reagan. You know, uh, becoming governor because he he ran on, "I'm going to stop the hippies in the Hyde Ashbury uh, area," and then when they put the whole thing together uh, uh, with Charles, the Manson family, and things like that, that just kind of pushed it over the edge. And uh, then you had, of course, Nixon, and then you had the war on drugs and that whole thing, which short-circuited that movement for 40, 50 years. And we're just, at this point, psychedelics are re-emerging, you know. um,
0: Michael Pollan's book. Michael Pollan's
1: book. Denver legalized it. And Oakland and Chicago. Right, MAPS is. MAPS, yeah, with the MDMA, yes. Right. All these things, you know. John Hopkins, you know, just got a $17 million um, grant to put a wing, a psychedelic wing to their uh, hospital. So um, many things are going on. And of course, you know, you have conferences going on every, every week, you know, in Prague and, and Paris and Amsterdam and Budapest and New York City and. Uh, these things are going on and every university has its psychedelic club or society that is also moving forward with these type of conferences and things like that so the 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 re of the psychedelics is is now here it's it's really the hottest thing going on because people are changing their lives with it in a medicinal way And people are now starting to explore their own consciousness and I feel that is the most important portion of the psychedelic movement the exploration of consciousness because we're moving to a point in time where we have to become something more than we are we have to be able to think different we have to relate to the earth differently because we're moving into some very perilous times with Things like artificial intelligence and the 5G that's coming out and all these different things. Now, what about 5G?
0: Our- what about 5G? What's that going to do to us? <laughs> 5G is already here.
1: Yes, it's already here. Well, we don't, we don't, we don't actually know yet. That's the whole thing. Um, we know that we're going into new frequencies. You know, most of the cellular frequencies have been microwave uh, frequencies up until the 5G, which is millimeter waves. So millimeter waves are actually from DARPA and their military frequencies. Those are the frequencies that they use with um, the skin heating cannons. In other words, the one where they turn on and they make you feel like you're on fire and things like that. Now, that's not what 5G is going to be doing for your phone because they just want to make money. But if they wanted to turn it up a, a notch or two, they could. They could. They could do that.
0: I've always said they could you just know. kill us from our <laughs> cell phone if they just wanted to take us out. They could take us out from our well, cell phone. Well, well,
1: the the you know, and I'm sure they put. We could probably look out this window and find find some because they have to put it through all these buildings because the millimeter waves they don't number one move through objects very good so they have to put them almost every place so that you can get a signal Mm. and then they'll bounce signals from the antennas to phones to other phones so they have to have them all over so actually not that they are going to do that because like I said they're, they're you know they're trying to make money with this thing but they actually could with these antennas make everybody feel like they've been set on fire
0: tanya pinkins and you've been listening to you can't say that on the broadway podcast network that was part one of my conversation with kalindi e about psychedelic mushrooms entheogens come back for part two